It's a game of averages, you see. While it's true that many infants and small children died in prehistoric populations, as indicated by the larger numbers of infant skeletons in most burial sites, these skeletons tell us nothing about what constituted a quote-unquote ripe old age. A life expectancy at birth, which is a measure generally cited, is far from an accurate measure of the typical lifespan. When you read, quote, at the beginning of the 20th century, life expectancy at birth was around 45 years. It has risen to about 75 thanks to the advent of antibiotics and public health measures that allow people to survive or avoid infectious diseases, unquote. Keep in mind, this dramatic increase is much more a reflection of increased infant survival than of, than of adults living longer. In Mozambique, where one of us was born and raised, the average life expectancy at birth was for a man is currently tragically about 42 years. But Casilda's father was 93 when he died riding his bicycle right to the end of the road. He was old. A 40-year-old is not. Not even in Mozambique. No doubt, many prehistoric infants died from disease or harsh conditions, as do the infants of other primates, human foragers, and modern Mozambicans. But many anthropologists agree it's likely that a large portion of infant mortality once attributed to starvation and disease, probably resulted from infanticide. They argue that foraging societies limited the number of infants so they wouldn't become a burden to the group or allow overly rapid population growth to strain food supplies. Horrific as it may be for us to contemplate, infanticide is anything but a rarity even today. Anthropologist Nancy Shepard-Hughes studied contemporary infant deaths in northeast Brazil, where about 20% of infants die in their first year. She found that women consider the deaths of some children as quote-unquote a blessing if the babies were lethargic and passive. Mothers told Shepard-Hughes they were quote, children who wanted to die whose will to live was not sufficiently strong or developed." Shepard Hughes found that these children received less food and med- medical attention than their more vigorous siblings. Joseph Birdsell, one of the world's greatest scholars of Australian Aboriginal culture, estimated that as many as half of all infants were intentionally destroyed Various surveys of contemporary pre-industrial societies conclude that anywhere from half to three-quarters of them practice some form of direct infanticide. Lest we start feeling too smug in our compassion and superiority, recall the foundling hospitals of Europe. The number of babies delivered to near-certain death in France rose from 40,000 in 1784 
to almost 140,000 by 1822. By 1830, there were 270 revolving boxes in French foundling hospital doors specially designed to protect the anonymity of those depositing unwanted infants. 80 to 90% of these children are estimated to have died within a year of arrival. Once our ancestors began cultivating land for food, they were running on a wheel, but never fast enough. More land provides more food, and more food means more children born and fed. More children provide more help on the farm and more soldiers, but this population growth creates demand for more land, which can be won and held only through the conquest and war. Put another way, the shift to agriculture was accelerated by the seemingly irrefutable belief that it's better to take strangers' land, killing them if necessary, than to allow one's own children to die of starvation. Closer to our own time, the BBC reports that as many as 15% of the reported deaths of female infants in parts of southern India are victims of infanticide. Millions more die in China, where female infanticide is prevalent and has been for centuries. A late 19th century missionary living in China reported that of 183 sons and 175 daughters born in the typical community, 126 of the sons lived to age 10, which is 69%, while only 53% of the daughters made it that far, which is 30%. China's one-child policy combined with the cultural reference or the preference for sons has only worsened the already dismal odds of survival for female infants. There are also problematic cultural assumptions lurking within demographers' calculations in which life is assumed to begin at birth. This view is far from universal. Societies that practice infanticide don't consider newborn infants full human beings. Rituals ranging from baptism to naming ceremonies are delayed until it is determined whether or not the child will be permitted to live. If not, from this perspective, the child was never fully alive anyway.